Welcome to our 30th episode of Two Tankers and a Cat. We're your host, I'm Charlie. And this is Russell. Well, I got good news and I got bad news. And uh, we'll go ahead and go with the good news because um, we want to st- start off on a positive yeah, note. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. Uh, uh, tell us about our good friend, it's Tony, right? Tony. In Down in New Zealand. New, New Zealand. Wow. Yeah, um, Tony kind of got a hold of us the other day and wanted our mailing address, and he said he wanted to send us something. I thought, okay, so I, I give him our address, and I got some pretty neat things in the mail from him the other day. We've got three, what do you call them, metals or pins? Pins. Yeah, they're they're like well, kind of like lapel pins or uniform pins. And it's from an armored division, isn't it? Yes. Which armored division is it? I think it's the second. Yeah, it, it, it's actually marked as being three different pins that are from the Royal New Zealand Armored Corps. And it shows circa 1953 to current. Now, this came from one of his terminally ill friends who's also yes. a listener. Yeah. I, I don't think he can close the name. Uh, no, but he did say that this individual really liked our Bob Simple tank episode. Well, if, if he's listening today, thank you so much for your gift. Uh, we are praying for you. Yes. And, and we hope you have a miracle in your life. Yes. And if uh, we this podcast reaches you short, um, please be at the gate when we get there. And, exactly. And yeah. gu- guide us to the, you know, pearly gate you know broadcast room so we can start doing yeah, more yeah. podcasts yeah and we'll sit down and talk tanks with you and we meet yeah. up with you we'll only have an eternity to do it the bad news i have never seen russ get so angry in his life uh, i've known him for 10 years plus and this is the first time he's came to me and he said did you see this did you see what they did and i was shocked more than I was angry, and I keep bringing this up, why it is so important that people get off their butts and start helping. If you have any political contacts in the United States, you know what? I'll even do any political contacts in the world. If you can, if you have any political contacts, please bring attention to this disaster that happened our poor guy, Rob Kogan, oh, down in Fort Benning, who's trying to get all these tanks back, and he's trying to get them saved before they disappear. It, Russ, I, I can't even discuss it. We, I, I know. It, it's, we, it sucks. It, it, I'll, I'll, I mean, and that's to put it lightly. Tell the people what happened. Rob actually put a post on Facebook here the other day. You can tell. He, he's a pretty go, easygoing guy. And he starts the post out by saying, livid is the only word close to describing how he feels about what is going on. And I can tell you're pretty, yeah, st- you're, yeah. you're still mad. Oh I'm, yeah, I'm pissed. And here's what's going on. Um, there was a post from the military experience museum incorporated back on October the 28th. And it's about the destruction of military artifacts in Connecticut. This past week it goes on to say that there was about 10 to 12 military vehicles 
and large artifacts that were destroyed and turned into scrap metal. And the sole piece of that has not been picked up yet. And it's the turret from the MBT-70 prototype tank. So they've got probably 12. Yeah. And, and maybe even more. Yeah. Of these military history that belonged to the United States. And we gave it on loan to a museum that fell apart uh, in Danbury, Kentucky. Danbury, Connecticut. Connecticut. And they took, they brought, these tanks were on loan. And they ended up in a scrapyard. Literally, there's pictures of these old junk cars right next to these tanks. And they have scrapped stuff, sold stuff off these tanks. Uh, main battle tank, uh, X830. The metal, uh, main battle tank, the uh, 70 that you were talking about. Yeah. Uh, uh, other pieces. that Several we, armored personnel. This is just Carriers. this is just I mean, terrible. It, it, it is. This museum is now defunct, yes. uh, it, and some of the pieces went to different museums. And yeah. I and um, but the others. But what was left over is what, what was they left over. Just decided to scrap. So I, I, it, it's still unknown at this time who give them the go ahead to to scrap these items. Yeah, it could be um, it could be it, it our could, military. Yeah, yeah, and until we find out, we're really not gonna or go into that part the, of it. But. The last person out at the museum said, yeah. "We got to get this out of here." Yeah. So call a scrapyard. If they're not going to come pick up their stuff, we're going to scrap them. Yeah, or somebody maybe maybe done something criminal. We don't know, you know, and said, "Hey, there's big parts on this we can sell on you know, you know these, I guess black market tank." Part sells. I, I it's I just don't a know shame. What's going on? But 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 we've talked about this, and we'll continue talking about this kind of stuff over and over. That people we've got to find a way to save it. Get, it's history, folks. Yeah. It's history. If you have any political contacts, contact us. Have your contact. Uh, or we'll contact whatever political people you have, and, and we don't care if you're in Afghanistan. You know the prime minister of Afghanistan or anybody, uh, congressman, senator, prime minister, ambassador, give us their contact information. We'll send an email to them and say, hey, sure. listen, can you help us? Yes. Can you get a letter to uh, at least – I know if we could just contact the current president, whether if you like him or not. I, I you know I, I, I'm not going to get in the politics of it. But if I could talk to him for just 30 seconds and say, this is what's happening to our artifacts, somebody would stop this and they would start funding it. We fund so much dumb stuff. Exactly. And exactly. There's so much waste in the United States government. I we, mean, when you scrap this kind of stuff. It doesn't come back. No. You it's will gone. never, ever see it again. Well. Just incredible. So we're asking for your help. Yeah, you can find Rob through the Armored Calvary Museum down in Georgia. Get involved, people. If you know somebody that has political pull, or if you know somebody that's a multimillionaire that has political pull, we're not going to hit them up for money. We're not going to no. hit them for any uh, no. anything. All we're going to go is, will you please help us save these artifacts? Exactly. Because these things are still sitting in the scrapyard right now. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, I'm so I, mad. I know, I know. Well, let's talk about something great. Okay. 
let's talk about the KV-2 tank. The king of the derp. Now, a lot of people don't know the derp, what derp stands for. And derp is just a uh, howitzer type gun that shoots. And usually, if you watch me live stream and I'm playing the KV-2 um, and I shoot somebody with this great big, I think it's a 152 naval gun or something like that. Russell, tell us about the gun here in a little bit. But you hit them with this big howitzer gun and they just explode. Explode. And I'm like, derp. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to be talking about the KV-2, the king of the derp. And the second point is, what is it? Some battle? The Battle of Rossini. That's when the 6th Panzer Division ran into a KV-2, a lone KV-2. We'll talk more about that. Yes. Okay. Russ, why don't you start off and tell us about the KV? The Clement Voroshilov, or the KV tanks, a series of Soviet heavy tanks named after the Soviet defense commissar and politician Clement Voroshilov, operated with the Red Army during World War II. The KV tanks were known for their heavy armor protection during the early stages of the war, especially during the first year of the German invasion of the Soviet Union. In certain situations, even a single KV-2 supported by infantry could halt large German formations. <laughs> now that's awesome. That's a it, beast. It, 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 my main question, I know I'm stuttering here, but why were these KV-2 tanks so you know, strong? I mean, tell us a little bit about it. The KV-2 tanks were practically immune to the 3.7 centimeter KWK-36 and howitzer-like short-barreled 7.5 centimeter KWK-37 guns mounted respectively on the early Panzer III's and Panzer IV tanks fielded by the invading German forces. And until the Germans developed more effective guns, the KV-2 was invulnerable to almost any German weapon except the 8.8 centimeter flat gun. So the 88 flat gun the 88. was the only thing that could really pin it. Incredible, man. So here's the Soviets, and they they don't, I remember something, but they didn't have a lot of the tanks, or these tanks, but uh, Russell get into the number of tanks. So they put this thing at a crossroads, and they're supporting it with infantry in the back, making sure, but it just stays out front and derps. Every tank that it sees and, you know, all these little tank destroyers and these Panzer threes and Panzer fours, they're sitting there shooting at it and it's like, dink, yeah. dink. Wow. Okay, Russ, tell us a little bit more about it. The KV-2 was a heavy assault tank with the M10 152 millimeter howitzer. Wow. Big gun. Big gun. The KV-2 was produced at the same time as the KV-1. And due to its size of its heavy turret and gun, the KV-2 was slower and had a much higher profile than the KV-1. Those captured and used by the German army were known as Sturm Panzer Kampfwagen KV-2 754R. Few were produced due to its combat ineffectiveness, mainly the decreased speed due to the weight of the new gun and turret. Now, uh, I do know uh, when the Germans captured these KV-2s, they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to use them. And they sent them back to get them cleaned up a little bit and put some of the stuff. Uh, but on one of the KV-2 pictures, and I think it's from uh, our friend Craig Moore's uh, tankencyclopedia.com. If you haven't seen that, you need to go and go. take a look. 
but they put a Panzer III commander hatch on top of the KV-2. Oh, wow. And they used it, uh, I believe it was down in Malta, you know, for that. You know what? When the Germans will pack up a tank and ship it clear across exactly. just to use it, yeah, yeah. That that kind of says something about this monster. It really does. Looks like a Frankenstein head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you, we're going to put pictures. We'll put pictures oh, yeah. up. We'll post some pictures. Yeah. KV, uh, the KV-2. But uh, Russ, tell us a little bit about the specs. The dimensions uh, is about 7.31 meters long by 3.49 meters wide by about 3.93 meters high. Okay, give me, give me the American The American yeah, specs. Yeah, sorry. Okay. It was about 23 foot 11 inches long. Holy smokes. 11 foot 5 inches wide and a full 12 foot 1 inches high. Well, it beats the, <laughs> it beats the Lee. It beats my Lee. That gummit. <laughs> it had a total weight in the early stages of about 53.8 tons. And later on in its production, it weighed about 57.9 tons. So about 58 tons. 58 tons of steel, baby. Uh, so you get a <laughs> almost a 24-foot-long tank with 58 tons with 152 millimeters. Oh, what yeah. kind of crew did this thing have to have? This thing had a crew of five. And believe it or not, later on... They added another crewman. Uh, they had a driver. They had a commander. They had a gunner and two loaders. So, so when they had five. They had five. And, and then they found out the the Probably one little loader needed an lo- extra loader. Loader was starting to have back problems. Yeah. 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 I don't think me and you could lift 152. Probably, Probably not. <laughs> well, what this was of- before the automated days. I'm pretty sure. So this old boy's got to lift it up like a bale of hay and shove it in a tube. Yeah, you're going to need two guys. It was propelled by a V2 diesel engine, put out about 500 horsepower. All right. So that'll push it down the road a little bit. Not bad. It had a speed of 25 kilometers per hour on the road or 12 kilometers per hour off-road, which comes out to about 15 and a half on the road and 7.5 miles per hour off-road. So on-road, you could get around yeah. 16 miles per hour. Yeah. And then on off-road, 8 miles. That's rough terrain. That's, and stuff that's like. pretty slow for a for, big beast like that. But 58 tons. I know. A lot of steel <laughs> that you're hauling around. Yep. What was the range on it? Had a range of about 200 kilometers or about 120 miles. Oh, you know what? That's a big gas tank. Big gas tank. That thing... Probably wasn't built to save gas. No, no. <laughs> Actually, it's diesel, right? Sucked down the diesel pretty quick. Y- yep. Yeah. Okay. The armament, it had a 152 millimeter, which comes out to about 5.98 inches, uh, 1938-1940 L20 howitzer, or it had a 152 millimeter M-10T. For the later models. For the later models. So anything after 1940... Yeah, uh, KV models is going to be the 152 millimeter, but it's going to be the M slash 10 T model. How many machine guns did it have? It had two DT 7.62 millimeter or 0.3 inch machine guns, which they carried about 8,000 rounds. You know, we, we just did that episode on the Morris 
tank and it had eight machine guns eight on machine it. guns if you had your choice would you rather take the kv2 with two machine guns or that one i'll with? stick with the kv2 yeah, yeah yeah let's go with the kv2 and the next uh spec will tell you why what why uh it had armor of about 75 to 110 millimeters which comes out to about 2.95 inches to 4.3 inches thick so the front of it is uh, 4.3 inches 4.3 inches thick uh, yeah. thick, and then around the sides and everything else the weak points is almost three inches yeah well you, you, okay not shabby uh, okay yeah no yeah. wonder it's slow yeah all right i'll take that and they produced about 203 of the kv2s <laughs> wow so this is just a tremendous uh tank and i'm just amazed you know it's so high it's 12 foot high yeah if you turn the turret to the side and fired that 152, it would just topple over. Uh, tell us some more about this. Due to an increase in turret weight from the expanded dimensions and a heavier gun, the turret traverse mechanism could work only on level ground. And despite this, the KV-2 tanks came as a nasty shock to German invaders due to their resilience. They had no comparable tanks in strength and few anti-tank guns that could actually destroy them. So... So they're sitting there, they got to be level. You can't turn the turret or anything like that on the side. So they're literally driving them out in the middle uh, of these roads, you know, these crossroads. And they're like, okay, there's our KV fortress. I mean, KV (laughs) two. And they're like, all right, you guys stand there. And then we're going to have the machine guys, uh, you know, infantry with machine guns sitting in the, in the woods. So when these columns of, you know, tank destroyers and everything, and they're firing their little pop guns at this thing. It's bouncing off. Oh, wow. And to put it cleanly, I guess you could say the Germans were kind of crap out of luck. Well, I know uh, when I was doing my study, and uh, there's a book out uh, called A Soldier's Duty, and it was by Marshall, and I can always kill his name, um, Rokosowski. Yeah, looks yeah. pretty close, yeah. Yeah, but he did his uh, memoirs, and he actually mentions this KV-2 tank. And he said, the KV-2 withstood the fire of every type of gun that the German tanks were armed with. But uh, but what a sight uh, they were returning from combat. Their armor all pockmarked all over, and sometimes even their barrels were pierced. So when he's watching these guys come, or these KV-2s come back, the key word is they're coming back. They're coming back. They've yeah. stopped these Germans where they're supposed to. They come back. They got dents and pock marks all over from these little, you know, Panzer threes, Panzer fours, little stugs. Incredible. And the only thing that could hit them is this eighty-eight. <laughs> Man, no, no wonder they built the Tiger yeah. with an eighty-eight. Uh, okay, I'm sorry, Russ. Uh, there was a battle where we want to talk about the KV-2. What, what? And we're talking about the second point of this. Uh, what was this battle again? The Battle of Rossini took place between June 23rd and 27th of 1941. It was a large tank battle that took place in the early stages of Operation Barbarossa, the German invasion of the Soviet Union. The battle was fought between the elements of the German 4th Panzer Group and the Soviet 3rd Mechanized Corps with the 12th Mechanized Corps in Lithuania. And it took place about 75 kilometers or 47 miles northwest of Kaunas. The Red Army tried to contain and destroy the German troops that had crossed the Niemann River, but was unable to prevent them from advancing. 
Wow. Um, you're talking about Lithuania, and I watch a, a Twitch streamer called uh, Sir Fosh. He lives in Lithuania. So if you're if anybody knows uh, Sir Fosh, tell him that two tankers give him a hats off for yeah, Lithuanians. Exactly. Well, all right. Tell us the story of the lone Soviet KV-2 tank. A single KV-2 tank advanced far behind German lines after attacking a column of German trucks. The tank stopped on a road across soft ground and was engaged by four 50mm anti-tank guns of the 6th Panzer Division's anti-tank battalion. The tank was hit several times, but fired back and disabled all four enemy anti-tank guns. So they roll up these these 50mm anti-tank guns, and, and the, the crews and everything are like, bang, tink, bang, tink, <laughs> and all of a sudden that slow barrel starts moving towards you. These guys had to go, oh, oh no. Yeah. Okay, keep going. I'm sorry. Crap their drawers right there. Yeah, I would. <laughs> a heavy 88-millimeter gun of the Divisional Anti-Aircraft Battalion was moved about 730 meters or 800 yards behind the lone Soviet tank, but was knocked out by the tank before it could manage to score a hit. So they're like, okay, we're not getting in the front of this thing because <laughs> yeah. we've, we've already lost four tanks or four anti-tank gun crews. So they get an 88, they try to move it, and it slowly starts turning. So their commander sees them, and at 800 yards, he smokes, <laughs> smokes his 88-millimeter gun, and its crew just poof, poof, and it's gone. <laughs> Derp. During the night, German combat engineers tried to destroy the tank with satchel charges, but failed despite possibly damaging the vehicle's tracks. Early on the morning of June 25th, German tanks fired on the KV-2 from the nearby woodland, while another 88-millimeter gun fired at the tank from its rear. Of several shots fired, only two managed to penetrate the tank. So they're like, all right, we're going to send in our you know guys at night. They're going to sneak up, and they're going to satchel charge it. So they put these satchel charges on it, thinking that it's going to blow this tank up. And then, boom, it goes off. They wake up in the morning, and all they've done is damage the track. <laughs> it's technically not off, and it can still move, but it's just damaged the tracks. And these German engineers had to be looking at each other like, uh, uh what next? What's our next plan? So they bring up these German tanks at the front, and it starts fighting them. And then they sneak another 88 behind it and only pin it twice. Oh, my gosh. Go ahead and go on. German infantry then advanced towards the KV-2 tank, and it responded with machine gun fire against them. German infantry then advanced towards the KV-2 tank, and it responded with machine gun fire against them. Eventually, the tank was knocked out by grenades, which were actually thrown through the holes caused by the 88-millimeter gun. The dead crew was recovered and buried by the approaching German soldiers with full military honor. Now, I've read this report from the 6th Panzer uh, Division's uh, commander, uh, General uh, Edhard Ross, and uh, he said the KV-2 was killed by a pioneer engineer unit who pushed grenades through the two holes made uh, by the anti-tank gun, the 88. And in his reports, the KV-2 crew uh, was buried nearby where the tank was, you know, disabled or, you know, really wasn't even disabled. Yeah. They just killed the they crew. They killed the crew. They yeah. didn't kill the tank. Uh, and it was buried with uh, military honors by the German unit. 
1965, the remains of the crew was exhumed and reburied at the Soviet military uh, cemetery in, where is that again? Rossini. Rossini. According to the Russian uh, military uh, historian uh, Maskin Columbus, uh, the tank was from the 3rd Company 4th Tank Regiment. Now, we've covered a lot of information there. Here's this KV-2. It's fought these tanks that were fighting in the front, basically wiped them out, and they brought an 88 and fired two rounds into it. Okay, so they think it's dead, you know, and I'm sure there were some crew members left. But the infantry starts walking up, and these guys, out of ammo probably, or can't load the gun anymore, fire these two machine guns at the infantry until they can sneak in, and they got the two holes, and then they start shoving in grenades. Good lord. A whole Panzer division had to take time, stop, just to deal with one tank. And I can tell you this. I bet you they they grabbed that tank and sent it back to Berlin. Exactly. That, yeah. That's a tank that they fixed back up, yeah. patched the holes, and said, we're, we're taking this baby. Put their own cupola on top. And yep. Called it theirs. Well, great episode, Russ. It really uh, was. I, I know we got to do some closing. we, we got to get some Patreon shout-outs. Who are we giving Patreon shout-outs? Yeah, we still got Andy Crow with us and Bjorn Ben. And my fave, uh, Christy McCarty, and uh, gonna have to ask her out on a date one of these days. Uh, yeah, you probably should. <laughs> and uh, Kevin Shin, and uh, of course, Mark Drake, and my buddy, Voodoo Cobra, uh, Rick Schmidt. He, he tunes into my live streams all the time. Yeah, the, the, just great. Oh, yeah. And, in fact, uh, Good guy. the guy, uh, from the Daily Bounce, uh, Harkonnen, that we always yeah. are proud of, and he's been helping us out a ton by yes. posting our stuff. Yes, he has. Uh, he, me and him are going to post Platoon soon and oh, uh, live stream it. Cool. So that, yeah. that's great. And uh, who else do we got? Yeah, we've also got uh, Kyler Montgomery and ODS Thero still with us. Guys, I hate to bring this back up, but we have a lot of equipment to buy. Yes. Uh, we got interviews to do and stuff like that. and, and these We people, really want to expand the, the show and, and do some interviews on the road. It, 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 that's, it, that's what our plan is anyway. The show has went to a new level. So we do accept PayPal still and Patreon. We're, we're and gonna, if you want links to those sites, Patreon or PayPal, uh, please go to www.twotankersandcat.com. We do have our own webpage, and yep. all those links are right there on the front page. So we, we're going to ask for the big support now. Yeah. And, you know, the, our Patreon users that we got are amazing, but if you've been on the fence about helping us out, even if it's a lousy two bucks, uh, you know, that yeah. I think it's the Stuart level. Yeah. Yeah. You'll still have all the Patreon, yeah. uh, you know. And we are going to step up on our end to um, our plans. I believe are going to be to hopefully put out a Patreon episode, um, probably through YouTube and it'll be linked on our Patreon and you'll have access even at the $2 level. But our plans are probably every other week on the weeks that we don't have an episode of the podcast coming out. We'll try to, we're going to step up our Patreon stuff. And if you want that exclusive contact, you, you know, it's going to cost you a lousy two bucks and a lot of it. I mean, my goal is to actually talk about some of the museums we've been to. I mean, mm-hmm. I know we've probably talked about that here a while back, and, and we've already got one on there, I believe. Did we do one on the Oklahoma City Museum? Not yet. 
I thought yet. we had something on there from the 45th Infantry. Yeah. Well, I think we did do that. Yeah. But we need to go down there yeah, and we do, do one. Yeah. It's only a, what, a oh, three-hour yeah. drive. Yeah. But uh, again, we, we're starting to get stuff through the mail. People are sending us stuff. Yes. It, Thank you, Tony. That yeah. was very generous of you to send that up. And very cool. And yeah. we're, we're praying for your friend with the terminal illness. And if you do want to send us something, I believe the address is at the bottom of the page on our website, too. Yep. So, TwoTankersAndCat.com. Dot com. All right. What a great episode. And we appreciate everybody that tuned in and listened to us. We really do. This is Charlie. And this is Russell. As always, happy tanking and have a great week. <laughs>